My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. All right, if you got your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 3. And I'll give you a warning. I'll give you a warning. We just might finish Mark chapter 3 today. We just might do it. We just might do it. So uh, we'll start this morning with the question we ask each week. What is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we have studied so far? So what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? It's an open book question. It's completely fine to flip back and look at what we've done and think through and how God is working and moving in your life and in your heart. Some of you are so incredibly uncomfortable with silence. I love it. No problem at all for me. (laughs) It's a nice data point. Not necessarily what God's doing in you through his word, but yes. What are D groups, Josh? (laughs) The Padawan has become the master. (laughs) Discipleship groups, yes. Just kicked off a new version of this new uh, cycle. Okay. Okay. Somebody else, what is God doing in you through the portion of Mark we've studied so far? Yes. So it's very hard for me to speak. Um, I've been thinking about this for several weeks, yet not said anything. Uh, when the disciples were with Jesus, we, me as a person, how could they not accept him? You know, as they accepted him as a good person, right? You know, perfect, but started passing judgment on them. And then it's like, whoa, we have the Bible and the scripture, and we're not being intentional with our relationship yep. with him. And that's convicted me as well as, 
you know, people will say, hey, pray for this, pray for this, and I'll write it down, pray for it. But being more intentional about <coughs> praying out loud, I feel very uncomfortable when I have to pray yeah. out loud. But even as, as simple as my work it will come out when I, it's, I feel the Lord leading me to pray, I will do it. Excellent. Um, just be intentional. There you go. Thank you, Ms. Mello. Ms. Sherry? She said it? Excellent. All right. Good deal. If she said it, we'll go on then. That works. Awesome. So if you got your Bibles, I uh, hope you're in Mark chapter... Surely you found Mark chapter 3 by now. Uh, right? Just like swipe a few times and you're there. So a uh, quick review of Mark. We have been introduced to Jesus. He has been baptized. He has been tempted. His ministry has begun. Uh, just a quick recap of verse 15. This is his gospel. This is his uh, message. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. He calls his disciples. He begins to heal and to preach and to heal and to preach and to heal and to preach. And uh, he answers questions. And then we get to chapter 3. So I'll read through chapter 3. And then we will uh, take a closer look um, I'm going to finish up two questions from last week that I got, and then we'll jump into verse uh, 31. So Mark chapter 3. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with a withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life, or to kill. But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea, and Jerusalem, and Idumea, and from beyond the Jordan, and from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him. And he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew, and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again, so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons he casts out the demons. And he called them to him and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. 
And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Truly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying, he has an unclean spirit. And his mother and his brothers came and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him and they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mother and and my brothers. And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. So last week we looked at the section that in the ESV is entitled Blasphemy Against the Holy Spirit. And uh, I had two questions that came up afterward uh, that I wanted to quickly address. And I did this with a video at the end of the worship service last Sunday morning. And I was reminded once again why I should not be put in charge of anything with electronics. Because when I went back to go look at the video, I had no forehead. (laughs) And the words were fantastic. Uh, and Dave, it was completely and entirely all on me. But when I put the camera in, I thought, oh, no, that's not the right height. And I adjusted it. Not my skill set, right? So it was this wonderful video, and every once in a while you could see my eyes. It was just, it was, it was so hideously awful. So I just said, you know what? We're not going to do this. I'm just going to talk about this in Sunday school live uh, this Sunday morning. So here we go. So I had two questions. One was, uh, why did the scribes come down? Uh, and the other was, can you commit, can this sin be committed today? So we'll just talk about those real quick. Spend two or three minutes on this, and we'll look at uh, verses 31 and beyond. So uh, why did the scribes come down? So does anybody remember, I don't know if I still have it in here. I doubt I do. I don't. Uh, Does anybody have in the back of their Bible uh, the the Herodian family tree? Does anybody have that? The Herodian family. Excellent. Miss Amy has it. Yes. You did. I'm just like, that's incredible. So this was a handout I gave you a couple of weeks ago, and it, uh, it talks about what? It talks about awfulness, right? Just gross people. I got gross people and awfulness. Yes, that is a really, really good summary. So when you see the name Herod in the Bible, um, you, you kind of got to ask, which one are we talking about? Because there's several of these in the New Testament. Uh, and this was just a chart uh, that has way too many lines going back up into it. Uh, for a family tree, like there's just some super sketchiness here, super sketchiness. And it's what, Luke? It's messed up. It's exactly right. <laughs> that is exactly right. That is, that is a fantastic theological judgment that you have just pronounced on this family. It is. Yes, it is. Um, so, so one of the things that this uh, illustrates is that Power, when it is pointed back at itself, uh, corrupts in ways that are just very difficult to predict. Uh, But this power structure enabled certain religious parts of Judaism to be very strong and to flourish and to have more influence than they ought to. 
So the last two Sunday mornings, I have worn uh, parody t-shirts with the number 2020 on them. So one was uh, Leslie Nope, which I think would still make a great president. Uh, even a fictional character, I think. that would I would completely probably write her name in. I may do that. I don't know. We'll see. And then uh, last week was, if you didn't get the joke, it was the Big Lebowski. Uh, this aggression will not stand, man. And uh, that was my best Lebowski impression, so sorry, that was it. Most of you are looking at me like, I don't know who that is. It's okay. I wore political t-shirts on purpose because that's why the scribes came down. Because there was a guy that was about to threaten this whole structure that keeps everybody in power. And we're going to get to know Herod, this whole structure that keeps everybody in power. And we're going to get to know Herod in a couple of chapters, probably in six, seven months or so. And you're going to be even more revoltingly disgusted at him and his family and how all this works. And it's just, it's a mess. So that's one of the reasons why the scribes came down. Another one could very easily be, uh, and we see this in other parts of Mark, and I, I don't want to spend too much time getting into this, but uh, another one could be uh, Jesus is going to engage with them in very specific ways that do, that do not kowtow and bow down to them like they are used to. And uh, when you are used to being at the top of the food chain and then somebody comes and doesn't respect the top of the food chain, you get angry. You get very, very angry. So what we'll start to see as we move through Mark is these groups of people beginning to band together and to plot to overthrow and to deal with Jesus. And the interesting thing is that you can't sneak up on God. Right? Um, so since you can't sneak up on God, did Jesus see all this coming? Okay, come on. Did Jesus see all this coming? Yes, he absolutely saw this coming. So don't worry about sneaking up on God. When we see evil things occurring in the world, God is not going, <gasps> you know, I got I to gotta rebaseline this project plan. This is not going to work now. <clears throat> you got to snap the whole thing. And, you know, <laughs> Michelle, that was for you. There you go. <laughs> awesome. Good. Uh, but he has never once had to redo it, right? He's just, he's continuing on the, the original one, and it's fantastic. So the second question that I got asked, and hopefully that answers that question. The second question I got asked last week was, uh, is it possible to, to commit this particular sin today? Uh, and I would just point to uh, the text. Uh, and the text says, but whoever blasphemes, and the, the blasphemes here is in the subjunctive. It's the, the mood of possibility, uh, specifically talking about something that occurs in the future. So, but whoever blasphemes in the future, you could translate it that way, uh, never has forgiveness. It's like, so what would my answer to that be? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, and if you think about what was the Holy Spirit's ministry as it relates to Jesus Christ, Did you, the Holy Spirit testifies who Jesus Christ is. Holy Spirit draws men to Christ. So if you reject, if you say the Holy Spirit is... Uh, not testifying of Jesus Christ, what are we then denying? We are then denying the actual very gospel itself. What is the one sin that will send someone to hell? It is a denial of and lack of acceptance of the gospel itself. Um, and so to me, is is very, very uh, clear and straightforward that yes, this can be committed today and that it is in fact just a rejection of the gospel. So I don't feel like that I put the lid on that very cleanly. So Put the lid on that. We'll screw it tight. We'll go on to chapter th uh, 3, verse 31. So here we go. Chapter 3, verse 31. 
And his mother and brothers came. So we are introduced to Jesus' family today. And I say that with a wry grin, right? Because he's going to redefine some things. So we're introduced to his mother. So uh, the answer to this question is not Jesus. So who was Jesus' mother on the earth? Mary. Excellent. There are teachers today. There are whole denominations today that believe that Mary was, in fact, a perpetual virgin, that she did not ever have any other um, uh, relationships with a man. She had no other uh, children. And what does the text say? And his mother and his brothers. All right, so there we go. So sometimes it's helpful just to let the text inform your theology. So just saying. All right, so his mother and his brothers uh, came. So if they came, where were they not? They were not there with him, right? Let's just make sure we've got our geography right here. And standing, and this is a, this is a weird verb. Uh, this is a stecho. This is a, it's a present participle active, which means they were repeatedly standing outside. In my mind, it has the feel that they were there for a minute before they actually uh, did what they're going to do next. Um, so, and standing where? Outside. All right, so I want to make a point as we go through. I want you to notice the inside and the outside language as we go through this particular section, because in Mark chapter 4, that's going to get blown up, specifically as it relates to parables. So parables are these stories that, uh, uh, that make a point. Uh, I am loving Brian's series on Wednesday nights. If you're not already going, please go to Brian's series on Wednesday nights. We're walking through parables here at this campus, 6 o'clock. And uh, this particular approach, this looking at something right before you talk about a specific parable, many times the, the text right before a parable will set the parable up and frame it in a specific way. So when you get to Mark chapter 4 and we start talking about he told parables and rather intentionally in a way that some people would not understand and in a rather intentional way that some people would understand, this is the outside, inside, fleshed out in teaching. So we see it in physical location here in chapter 3, but we're going to see it in uh, theological language in chapter 4. So I don't want you to miss what Mark's doing here with the narrative. So in standing outside, they sent to him. So did they go in? All right. So how do you send to somebody? Hey, come here, Luke. Josh, wave at me. That's Josh. I want you to go tell Josh, right, to tell Zeke that I need Zeke. Okay? Go tell Josh to tell Zeke that I need Zeke. We are playing telephone. Zeke surfing Facebook, so I figured I'd use him, right? So who's that? Was he? He wasn't surfing Facebook? Oh, I said Zeke surfing Facebook. That's why. I... Uh, okay. Awesome. Cool. Hey, Zeke. How you doing, man? Cool. I just sent for you, right? Did I do it myself? Okay. Cool. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. You see where I'm going with this? Okay. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. 
Here we go. So the call is present participle active too, which means this is happening over and over and over. This was not, hey, Zeke, come here. This was Zeke. Hey, Zeke. Zeke. Help me out. Zeke. Zeke. Zeke, come here. Come here. Zeke. Zeke. No. Things get flattened in English sometimes, and I want us to make sure we see when the repetition happens. So they were calling to him, and a crowd, this throng, was sitting around him. So they'd been sitting, this imperfect, they'd been sitting around him for a minute. This is happening before we actually see. So he was sitting around him. So where's the crowd? Where's the crowd? Inside. There we go. They are around him on the inside. So the family is on the outside, the crowd is on the inside. Make sure we see where we're at. Sitting around him, and they said to him, who said to him? The crowd, yes, it was like it's open book, there you go. Why did the crowd say to him this? Yes, because if you've got people standing outside the house yelling at you, you're going to deal with that, right? You are not going to, like, okay. You've got a gathering going on at your house, and then all of a sudden people show up and start yelling for you outside your house. And you just keep going on like it's nobody's business. You know what your guests are going to do? Hey, turn up your hearing aid. It, like, can you, like, there's people outside. All right, we see this? We got it? Sitting outside, they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside. So I'm asking you, I'm going to ask you a question. This question has an easy component and a hard component. Who's missing? If Jesus' family is outside, his where's daddy? There you go. Where's the sisters? Okay. Thank you for almost assuming. <laughs> But don't finish it. Because <laughs> we're going to get to that at the very end of this passage. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. So your mother and your brothers are outside. They're on the outside seeking you. Now, the seeking is active here. So this is something they are actively doing. They're not being, the seeking is not being forced on them. They are independently actively doing this. They are seeking you. Now, let me ask you a question. Is seeking Jesus a good thing? Yes, it is. This is a good thing. All right, let's keep going. Verse 33. And he answered who? The crowd on the inside. I love how Jesus never misses a teaching opportunity. So what does he do? In true rabbinical form, he does what? Ask a question. Ah. Why is he asking questions? Yeah, because the disciples are in school. Right? They're in school. So who are my mother and my brothers? So who's missing again? Sisters and daddy. Okay. So who are my mother and my brothers? It's just... Super simple. And who pipes up with the answer? Look at the text. He answers it, yes. <laughs> because 
if the crowd knows, because they've already identified it verbally, that his mama and his brothers are outside, and he asked the question, who, not where, who are my mother and my brothers? Like, I feel like there was somebody in the crowd that probably wanted to go like, don't you know? <laughs> So, so kudos to the crowd for keeping their mouths shut on this one, right? It's like, just, just give him a second here. All right. Verse 34, and looking about. The word literally means in a circle. So they're sitting all around him. And looking about those who sat around him. He said... Now, in English, we read it this way. Here are my mother and my brothers. The word here is an interjection to denote surprise. I feel like based on this particular word, Jesus would have said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Because that would have been a shocking answer, right? Not... Well, they're outside, but you guys are sort of this different kind of family. It's not what he says at all. So don't miss what he says. Here are my mother and my brothers. So what's he doing here? Mark 1. Verse 14 and 15. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The kingdom is at hand. And the kingdom has a king. And the kingdom has people who are not the king. And he is telling us who makes up the kingdom. And I am glad. Because here are my mother and my brothers. And in the explanation in verse 35, for, this is the reason behind this, whoever, it's a beautiful Whoever does, this is subjunctive, this is a possible thing to be doing in the future. Whoever does the will of God, the desire, the determination, the choice, the decree, the, the volition. Whoever does this will of God, he is my, now watch it. He is my, what? Brother. And what, Mila? My sister and mother. You see, he just redefined family. He took the people who were on the outside and he brought them inside. And if you aren't excited about that, we might not understand what God has done through the gospel. Because we were all on the outside. And there was a drawing and a calling and a hearing and a recognition. And then this redefinition of who actually family is that includes us which is awesome. 
That's exactly right. He's defining who's in the family of God. You know, what so, cools me there is everything in that, especially at that time, was all about bloodline. There you go. Health, records. That's right. I mean, meticulously, even today. And yep. he took that and made it nothing. Right. And Luke said no. That's exactly right. So a couple of things I want you to, I want us to make sure that we don't hear Jesus saying, right? So flip over to Mark chapter 10, because some people look at this text, uh, Mark 10 verses 28 through 30. So remember how I told you a couple months ago, I think I said this a few times, that often Jesus will example something before he teaches it? Right? He, he's exampling this while he's teaching it here, but he shows it again in Mark 10, 28 through 30. This is the, the rich young man. It's the explanation afterward. It says, uh, Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. And Jesus says, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or lands or uh, for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. So he's exampling this before we see it. Flip over to John chapter 19. Yes, I know we're going to a different book of the Bible. John chapter... I know, right? Sorry. I'm not apologizing for that. <laughs> I take it back. John chapter 19. Uh, some people teach that Jesus is actually abdicating his family responsibility uh, because there was a special responsibility given to the oldest uh, male in a Jewish family. Uh, and Jesus is not abdicating his family responsibility in Mark chapter 3. He's teaching a theological point. Uh, in John chapter 19... Uh, look at verses, uh, start with verse 25. It says, but standing by the cross of Jesus, so he's literally on the cross, were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, who's that? It's John. When Jesus saw his mother and John standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. So Jesus is not abdicating, back in Mark chapter 3, his responsibility as a son. And he doesn't ever abdicate. He just passes the baton on this. He makes sure that she is taken care of, as he should, because that is his responsibility as the eldest son. So, one more thing. Look at verse 35 in Mark chapter 3. You remember that night you called me? The real late night? How, what time of day was that? It was really like early morning, wasn't it? 2 a.m. So, Goble and I used to live in the same neighborhood. 
and a quarter of a mile apart-ish, something like that. And kind of had this standing agreement if something went wrong at one of our houses, the other one was who we were going to call, and that's just the way this is going to work, right? Calls me up 2 a.m. in the morning, phone rings. This is before I knew how to mute my phone in the middle of the night. I don't even know if phones had that functionality back then, but they, yeah, yeah exactly, right? That was good for you that it didn't. Uh, phone rings, Julie looks at me, I don't know that she did, uh, like punched me maybe. <clears throat> Hello? I hear, hey man, I think I'm dying, come get me. I was like, ooh, that sounds bad. Okay, I'll be right over, right? It's kind of like that. Uh, Julie's like, what, are, what? I said, Goble needs something. I don't know. I'm going to go get him. All right. Okay. Get in the car, drive over. Uh, I think Shelby helps you, I mean, Shelby helps you get in the vehicle. Uh, we, we went where? The memorial, the hospital, right? When the hospital, uh, come in, he's just got massive, massive pain. This is just tremendous pain. And, uh, Nurse is like, hey, you got to sign this form and sign this form and we get him back there. And the, another nurse comes in and she looks at me and she looks at Daniel and she says, I'm sorry. She's just talking to me. She says, I'm sorry, sir, but only family are allowed back here right now. I was like, oh, OK, he's my brother. <laughs> and she looked at me again and she looked at Daniel, you know, because we resemble like so much. <laughs> he <laughs> looks at me, looks at him. And I said, yeah, we got the same daddy. And. And I'm glad she was looking at me because his head just about came off. Because <laughs> two things happened there. One, he knew I was telling the truth. And two, he knew I kind of wouldn't, you know. That's exactly right. So they get him all doped up. He's out of, he's, most of the pain is, what was the issue? It was a gallbladder. Yes, yes. Not fun. So get him all doped up. Everything's good. Uh, Shelby comes in a little bit later, and Daniel starts recounting the story. And Shelby looks at me. Well, that was pretty quick. I said, well, I wasn't leaving the room, and I had to think of something. So we are brothers. I'm, I'm going there. Mark 3.35 is why I can say that and why it's true. For whoever does the will of God is my brother. See, I'm your brother because we're both brothers to Christ. And sister and mother. And he doesn't say father here, right? Because who is Jesus' father, right? And who is Jesus unambiguously clear about that being fact? He is super clear about that being true all the way through his teaching. He does not say, so-and-so is my father. Father is my father. I think that's why he left off father in this list. I think. So, here's my question for us. How are we doing in the brother and the sister and the mother category? We had a sister come over at our house the other night, and she brought a friend because my son was hurt, and she had the skill set to help because that's what sisters do, right? And I got to tape it up a few days later. 
And he said, I did okay. Because <laughs> that's what brothers do. See, Caleb and I have this super weird relationship that I am his father and I'm also his brother. And neither of us is from Alabama, so that's okay. <laughs> did you think I was going to talk about family trees twice and not talk about Alabama? Come on now. Come on now. All right. So here's what I want to leave us with. Who can we go be a brother and a sister to? Who are we looking past and saying, ah, that's not my responsibility? Who can we go actively, intentionally seek out and call and find and engage in ways that help and assist and show people who our daddy is? Because the father's flawless plan executed spectacularly well by the Son through the empowering of the Spirit enables us to be family. So let's go do that because it is worth it. And it adorns the message of the gospel in beautiful ways. So let's go do that. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.